0: Wow. Is my mic on? Okay. You can hear me? Yes. Great. I'm, I'm glad to be here. This really reminds me of home. I was just telling Caleb that uh, the, the campus that I lead, uh, uh, we meet in an auditorium exactly the same as this one. So I feel like I'm at home, only that there are more white people than uh, the rest of the guys. Uh, uh, so I'm really glad to be here, and thank you for having me. I really hope I don't mess it up, but I'll leave you to sort out anything that I mess up, uh, so I'm glad to be here. You know, in the African context, whenever you're invited to speak at a place uh, and you come with your wife, and you're not very sure about how beautiful she is compared to the average beautiful lady in the building, we usually just say, uh, I'm here and I'm here with my wife, she's somewhere right there at the corner, and then you move on into the message. But because God blessed me with a beautiful woman, someone say Hallelujah. I'm going to ask her to stand up, uh, this is Lucy, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I'm here with Lucy, and uh, as, as Caleb mentioned we've been married for six years, uh, we just celebrated our sixth anniversary this past month, uh, and it's uh, quite a joy to, to be with her, uh, you know, it's very interesting, God has a sense of humor, how he, he pairs up, you know, beauty and, uh, yeah, the other guy. Um, <laughs> Interesting, you know, recently I, I, I decided to go through one of the most popular stories in the Bible, and this is very popular, I'm sure very many of us have heard of this story. And what I found there really struck me. You know, I mean, this is a story of, of a man that uh, those of us who grew up going to church, uh, probably you heard because you were taught about this story uh, when you were in Sunday school and also growing up. Even if you didn't grow up going to church, maybe you sort of interacted with this story, maybe it even popped up in a religi- religious exam at some point. And, and this is the story of a man named Jonah. We all know Jonah? Have we heard the story of Jonah? And, 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 and how many of us have had the story of Jonah? Okay, Well, 90%. That's a very good uh, percentage. The interesting thing is that after studying the story of Jonah, I came to the realization that given the same circumstances uh, that Jonah went through, were we in the same place at the same time? Probably would have done exactly the same as Jonah did. You know, and my hope is that as I unpack this message for us today, uh, uh, you will understand why we sort of identify and we can connect with this story. And also, that I pray that this message will be like a mirror to us, that somehow we'll be able to look at us, to our, uh, at our lives and, and understand, you know, where are we in the spectrum of life regarding our relationship with Christ and also how God wants us to live. You know, the story of Jonah is the story of a man who ran from God. He was a prophet in Israel. And we find this story in the book of Jonah. Uh, no kidding. Jonah chapter 1 starts by saying uh, that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And, and, and this word was about the impending judgment of the people of Nineveh. Now, let me give you, let me paint the picture for you because the people of Nineveh, where Jonah was sent to go and declare, you know what, God, God, their wickedness had gotten to God and he decided, you know what, I want to kill all these people. So he decided to send Jonah because these people were so wicked. This is how wicked they were. You know, they will take uh, uh, the, uh, the pregnant women of their enemies and they will rip their bellies. Uh, 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 they will take the leaders of, 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 the, of their enemies and they will skin them. There are people who are assigned to skin uh, uh, people while they were alive. You know, they will take the men, the warriors, and cut them into parts, into smaller parts, their heads, their hands. And then they will put them in a heap outside their city. As a warning that just in case you want to attack us, look what happened to the other guy. And this is, what, this is how wicked they were. And God was fed up with their wickedness. And finally, he decides to send Jonah to them and tell them that I'm about to kill you all. And don't we all sometimes love to just have that specific word where you're told, you know, God tells you that this is what I want you to do. But it's very interesting because Jonah decided otherwise. Having been given a specific word by God, I want you to go to the people of Nineveh and tell them that I'm about to kill them. Jonah decides to go the opposite direction, and he gets on a one-way ticket to Tashish. Now, Tashish was about 2,500 miles from where God wanted him to be. You can see that uh, uh, image there. So Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh, but he decided to get on a ship and head to Tashish. How foolish is that? You can run from God, but you can't. Yep. And Jonah wanted to be as far away as possible from where God wanted him to be. And then uh, he gets on this boat, of course, uh, uh, and there's this huge storm in the, shi- in, in, in the sea. Uh, uh, and while in the ship, you know, the sailors are wondering, why is this happening? And then in the conversation with them, this is in Jonah chapter 1, in the conversation with the sailors, uh, 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 they discover that Jonah is the reason why there's a storm. So what do they decide to do? They agree, you know what, we need to toss this guy overboard. He's tossed overboard, uh, uh, and, and, and the sea becomes calm. But as he's drowning, God provides a big, yeah. yeah, big fish. <laughs> so imagine that he's in the belly of the fish. You know, I, I went to a school, and, and we used to have these uh, uh, storybooks. And I remember the, 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 the picture that I remember of Jonah in the big fish was that he was seated somewhere, and there was this vacuum, and it looked very nice. How many of us think that he was in a five-star fish? You know, it's like this guy was in a five-star fish. And the interesting thing is that, just imagine with me. Imagine h- how it was in the fish. Just try and imagine. Fish smells on the outside. <laughs> you don't even want to imagine how it is in the inside. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it was slimy. Uh, uh, do fish have intestines? They do? Yeah. Imagine it was dark for this guy, and this is, this is he is in the fish. And, and the interesting thing that we see in chapter 2, when he's thinking that, you know, I am done, uh, this is done and dusted, it's over for me, in fact, I deserve this kind of punishment. Uh, uh, I disobeyed God, and, 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 and this is it. This is what I deserve. We see in chapter 2 that instead of Jonah giving up, chapter 2, he cries out to God. And chapter 2 records for us Jonah's, uh, uh, Jonah's entry of, of his prayer Uh, 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 towards God, a desperate call towards God, that, God, I want you to save me. God, I have messed up big time. And you find this in Jonah chapter 2. In fact, if you can just pull that up for me, uh, Jonah chapter 2, where he prayed to God, and he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered, you know, uh, 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 I called to you from the land of the dead and Lord. This guy knew that he was in hell. Where he was, he was in hell. And he cried out to God at that time. And I pray that this will be an encouragement to someone today. That that dark place that you are in right now, that dark season that you are going through, that messy season that you are going through in your life right now, I pray that it will be an encouragement to someone here today that you can still cry out to God desperately. And that God can hear you. Because God heard Jonah when he was right there in the dark moment. Because at the end of chapter 2, we see that the fish vomited Jonah back onto shore. And I pray that someone here will be encouraged by that story. And we get into chapter 3. And this is where we see the beauty and goodness of God. Because God gave Jonah a second chance. You know, I am, Jonah is at the place where I'm sure this was over for, for him. I'm sure he felt that he had messed up. But not only did God save his life, God reinstated Jonah to a place of trust and to a place of purpose because he gave him the exact same mission that he had given him the first time. Isn't our God wonderful? Because God reinstated Jonah at the place of purpose and the place of trust. And he says, Jonah, I want you to go back to the people of Nineveh and preach and tell them that I am going to destroy them if they do not repent. And you know, when God gives you a second chance, your response should be that of quick obedience. When God gives you a second chance, what we learn from the story of Jonah is that your response should be that of quick obedience. Jonah rushes to Nineveh. And the message itself was very simple and direct. And he says this, On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now, and Nineveh will be destroyed. Forty days from now, and Nineveh will be destroyed, and we find this in Jonah chapter three verse four. And he has, as he proclaims the word of the Lord, something unusual happens in the city. This was unexpected because from the king himself, he declares that there's going to be a fast, a time of fast and praying, for us to re- repent, for the people to repent. Perhaps God will hear their prayer and their cry, and He will forgive them. And he says, you know, from the cattle, you know, from the king to the last cattle. They are going to wear these uh, uh, sackcloths and go down uh, uh, fast and ask God, to repen- uh, ask God to forgive them as they repented. And God relented and decided to forgive them. He did not destroy the city. A city of 120,000 people. Wicked people. But because of one man's obedience, they decided to ask for forgiveness and God forgave them. What an amazing story. What a great success for Jonah. Mission accomplished. I mean, I've done what God asked me to do. I go and preach, and he preached, he taught, he said that, you know what, after 40 days, Nineveh will be no more. What a great accomplishment. Let's have a party to celebrate. I mean, we're told that when one person gives their life to Christ, there's a party in heaven with the angels. Can you imagine if 120,000 people in one instance were to give their life to Christ? Heaven will come to a standstill. Let's call even for a 40-day of partying. What a great success for Jonah. What a great success when you feel that you've accomplished something great in your life. But is this the end of the story? Is this how it ends? Unfortunately, no. And I want to take us to chapter 4. Because chapter 4 is very interesting. And look at how it begins. After a great success where 120,000 people have surrendered their lives to Christ, their destiny has been changed. It begins by saying, but Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. What do you mean? Now, Jonah was not just displeased. He was greatly displeased. I mean, God has saved 120,000 people and Jonah is displeased? Well, it seems that he felt that God was a bit too soft. A bit too soft on very bad people. That's, that's my opinion. I mean, what kind of God would want to forgive these kinds of murderous people? What kind of God would want to forgive these kinds of uh, uh, adulterous people? Wasn't God being a bit too soft on them? Was He going a bit too far? And you know, it's very interesting because sometimes we get to the place where we feel like there are those people and then there's us. There are those people who are so wicked and then there's us. And we end up in a place where we feel very indifferent if we don't hate them, maybe all we do is just, we just feel indifferent. You know, uh, uh, my, my parents uh, separated when I was young. And, and my dad remarried. Uh, and, and when he remarried, he, he sort of left us. You know, I, I have uh, three siblings. And he left all of us, you know, uh, he abandoned us, literally. And I remember uh, uh, that was very painful for us. And, and after a few years, probably about, uh, what, 10 years, I met with him again. And looking, looking at him, you know, standing there, uh, uh, I knew that I had forgiven him in my heart. But I felt indifferent. I really didn't care. You know, I knew that I was not bitter towards him. But I really didn't care about him. I think I'm still indifferent about his life and how he's leading his life. I, I haven't seen him since then. This has been probably about three, four, five years ago. Uh, uh, but I just feel indifferent about him. And maybe there are those people that you, there, there are those people, and then there's us. There are those people who, maybe it's someone who hurt you. Maybe it's a relative who hurt you, uh, uh, who broke your heart. Maybe it's a spouse who walked out of the door and left. Maybe it's a sibling who, who, who did something that wounded you deeply. And you feel indifferent about them, you know, just move on. I I don't care, you know. In in fact, if God forgives them and we end up in heaven, I, I I don't want them to be my neighbor in heaven. You know, we are just indifferent about those kinds of people. And these are the people whom we feel nothing for. And Jonah is angry with God because God is showing mercy to his enemies, the enemy of Israel. I mean, God, all you want to do is annihilate the enemies of Israel and the world will be a better place. Don't we feel like this sometimes? That there are people in our, in our lives that we just feel indifferent about. And the truth is that many of us are okay with God extending grace and blessings to us. But we don't want the same for the people we consider our enemies or our competitors. We are very okay when God blesses us. But when it comes to the other people, to them, they, we don't want that to happen. Verse 4 of this uh, uh, chapter says, The Lord replied, Is it right, Jonah, for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to uh, to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. Now, Jonah waited to see what would happen to the city. You see, he had not really expected those guys to sincerely repent. And I'm sure he went to the east side of the city because he wanted to wait, because they, he knew that these guys must be insincere. There's no way that our wicked people can just turn around like that in an instant. And sometimes we feel like that. You know, we count down, and, and, and we see someone who is completely lost on the highway to hell. And when they turn around and change their lives, we are counting down. you are like, just give them six months, and it will be over. So that we can tell the whole world, look, I told you so. This guy is not going to make it. And the story takes an interesting turn, and you see that God arranges for a few things to happen. Now, it's interesting to note that the word arranged uh, 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 that I'm going to use here is the same word that was used in chapter 1, where it says the Lord arranged for a, beautif- a big fish, uh, a great fish to swallow Jonah. Now, now God arranges for a few more things to happen in here. And the Lord arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves. You remember Jonah is at the east side of the city? And, and soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. And this eased his discomfort. And Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Just like the fish that the God provided, the plant was also arranged by God. And it grew up overnight. And Jonah had nothing to do with it. He just woke up and there it was. And the plant was a welcome relief. Verse 7, but also God arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the plant and the stem of the plant so that it withered away. Just like the fish and the plant, God also arranged the worm. And as the sun grew hot and God arranged for a scorching east wind, God is interesting, to blow on Jonah. Again, God arranged. So the sun blazed on Jonah's head, and there was no plan to protect him. Jonah was depressed and physically weak. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death, this is what Jonah says, death is certainly better than living like this. Interestingly, the first time Jonah wished that he was dead is where he felt that God was treating the Ninevites better than they deserved. The second time that we see that Jonah wished that he was dead is because he felt that God was treating him the way the Ninevites deserved. And this is where we get to the heart of the matter. Because God says in verse 9, Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes. Angry enough to die. You know, there are some prayers that you really don't need to make to God. Because He can just do it. And here we come to the real heart of the matter because this story reveals two things to us. And I'm going to share this and we're done. The first one is that Jonah thought that he deserved God's blessings. Maybe Jonah figured God had blessed him because he was a prophet. Maybe because he was an Israelite out of God's chosen people. Or because he had been obedient to what God had called him to do. Jonah felt that he deserved, he had an attitude of entitlement. He felt that he deserved what he needed. You know, maybe he worshipped regularly. And you know, whatever the reason, he didn't question why this miraculous plant had come, but he took it as an acknowledgement of his worth before God. He had nothing to do with the plant coming, but he was so angry and concerned about the plant dying that he wanted to die, and he had absolutely nothing to do with it. Things were merely going as they should. That's what he felt. And that's a lesson from Jonah's story that we so often miss. Sometimes we feel that we have a right to receive God's blessings. After all I have done for you, Lord, surely I deserve no less from you. And so we find ourselves expecting that God owes us health. We find ourselves expecting that God owes us provision. God, I've served you in the church for a very long time. Why am I still single? God, I have given to this church. Why am I still Why is my brother, why is my sister, why is my father still ailing? And we get to the place where we feel that we deserve God's blessings. We begin to think that our blessings are a compensation of serving God, of being faithful to God. Second thing that Jonah does, Jonah was more concerned about his own comfort. An attitude of apathy. And the Lord said in verse 10, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Should I, God, feel sorry for such a great city? And I love how gently God deals with Jonah, even as he rebukes him. He's saying, you know, it's like he calls him uh, into his office and says, Jonah, let's discuss this plant for a minute. It's like your boss calling you to his office and then he, he lowers his glass and he's like, let's, let's, let's discuss this plant for a minute, Jonah. You know, uh, um, you're concerned about it, but you had nothing to do with it. Jonah, you didn't put a seed in the ground. You didn't water it. You had nothing to do with its growth, and yet you're angry about it dying? Well... Let's pause there and think about me for a minute. The people of Nineveh, I created them. I created the earth that provides food and water for them. Should not I be concerned about the cattle in this city? If I can be concerned about the cattle in this city, what about the 120,000 people that I created? Should not I at least be concerned about them? You see, those things that we are concerned about, that job that you're praying about, that house that you're praying about, that spouse, that marriage partner that you're praying about, all these things are good. They are. But God, and God is glad that you're concerned about them, but recognize this one thing. When our comfort, when our convenience or safety begin to determine when, how, what and where we are going to serve God, our focus has shifted from the giver to the gift. When we begin to get concerned about our comfort, all these gifts are simply tools that will help us achieve God's purpose for us to spread His influence on earth and to bring people back to Him. While I like those blessings, our prayer. My prayer must be, Lord, make me passionate about the things that you're passionate about. And we learn this from the story of Jonah. This is the one thing that stands out for me from the story of Jonah. Lord, make me passionate about the things that you're passionate about. You know, it is easy to do the Christian thing, uh, uh, to do the Jonah thing, and and, and sit comfortably in church, uh, and wait for God to destroy our sinful cities. Wait for those guys... To be destroyed because we are least concerned about them. To happily come to church and, and attend life group, connect with rooted, be comfortable in our rooted group. It is easy for us to be comfortable in these places, comfortably safe in our own salvation while all around us, lost people continue to be lost. To feel nothing for those around us in our homes, to feel nothing for those around us in our neighborhoods, to feel nothing for those people who are going through uh, uh, marital issues because we are safe in where we are right now, to care nothing about other nations. But you know, the only reason why we are here, the only reason why we have the privilege of listening to this message is because God wants us to do something about it. God wants us to do something about impacting and spreading His influence to His people. We are not here to acquire wealth. We are not here to acquire education. We are not here to get married. After all, when we all get to heaven eventually, all these things will not be there. My wife will be my sister in heaven. All these things are only here to help us fulfill our purpose, which is to spread God's influence and to bring people back to Him across the world. Lord, make us passionate about the things that you're passionate about. And unfortunately, my own prayers are often God, give me money for this, or God, make me more comfortable. Oh God, make me more successful about, uh, in this. And I want to tell you this, Huntington Beach, that God's blessings are too big for your pocket. You can't contain God's blessings. All these things. In fact, it says that, you know, ask, ask and I will give all these things He can give you. He will bless you. But these things He's giving you, He has given you so that you can spread His influence across the world. The book of Jonah ends in chapter 4, and it ends very abruptly. It is as if there is no ending in verse 10. Why does this chapter not end? Just put for me uh, Jonah chapter 4 verse 10, and this is what it says. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. This is how the story of Jonah ends. And, and we almost expect that there's a fairy tale ending, you know, and the people of Nineveh and Jonah lived happily ever after. And I have a few reasons why probably this story does not really end. Maybe the, the writer got tired. <laughs> Maybe there are some manuscripts that got lost. Maybe God had already made, up, made his point, so there was no need for us to end the story. I have an opinion. Maybe God wants you to end that story. God wants you to remove Jonah's name and put your name there. How will this story end for you? Who are your Ninevites? Who are the people who are considered as them? Who are the people who are lost? Maybe it's your brother. Maybe it's even the person who's sitting next to you right now. Maybe it's your sister. Maybe it's your wife. And God is saying, my son, my daughter, I want you to shift your focus from the gifts and begin to be passionate about the things that I'm passionate about. How does this story end for you? And as the music team sings this song, want you to go into a time of reflecting and ask yourself, how does this story, how will I choose to end this story? Will I choose to be comfortable? Will I choose to be entitled, have that attitude of entitlement? Or will I choose to allow God to make me passionate about the things that he's passionate about?
1: Just be prepared for people to step over your lap, okay, at this point. Sometimes in the future when, you know, it's crazy like this at 10, you just got to, you know, look and make the adjustments and squeeze toward the middle yourself because we're always making room. We're always trying to figure out a way to bring more people in here. Hopefully, you feel welcome by now. Hopefully, you have met uh, someone on the patio or someone smiled at you or shook your hand or something. And This is such a friendly church. This is like the friendliest most authentic group of people I've ever been around, so I hope that you have already experienced that, especially if this is your first or second time here. If you have not yet filled out one of these Connect cards, it's on the back of your bulletin. Uh, The reason why we give this to you is because we want to get to know you literally, I mean actually, uh, and and we're not just pretending, and we want to help you get plugged in here at the church. So, uh, if you would fill that out and drop it off at the Welcome Center, we'll give you a free gift, the whole deal, and we'll invite you to get as connected as you want to be. I send out an email every week that just gives updates, stuff that's going on, and so uh, it's, it's an easy way. And friendly people, easy to get connected here. I actually had a person this past week tell me that they, were, that they didn't feel connected, and they've you know, been here a little while, and I don't, I don't really feel connected. I was like, tell me more about that. I want to know. Uh, what's my first question if you say that you don't yet feel connected? Did you fill one of these out, right? Did you fill one of these out? And this person said, yes. And I said, did someone call you? And they said, yes, and emailed. And I said, great, did you reply? And they said, no. <laughs> well, step one is you can call back or you can reply via email, and you can actually you know, ask information and where you can get plugged in, and that, that works. Uh, I, I said, that's OK. The next thing I always ask is, have you done Rooted? And, uh, and they said, well, yeah, I started Rooted, I went twice, and I just wasn't feeling it, so I didn't go back. And I was like, oh, come on. The first two times, no one's feeling it. Everyone's just kind of skeptical and looking at each other like, I don't know you, and you're not like me. And you have to let a process take process, right? I mean, you have to give a process the process. So, so you you know j- drop that after the second it's not you know just doesn't work that way so uh, but I'm not judgmental not condemning I'm like let's move on let's move on Let, what else can we do uh, have you jumped in and served somewhere like on a team on Sunday and they're like no I'm like I'm biting my tongue okay okay uh, the, the next thing that you can do is you can do something in the community you can you can uh, tutor uh, and in Pacific Court you can go serve in Oakview uh, we have. Uh, every six weeks, we have trips down to Mexico. They go in vans. They have an awesome time, uh, in, including uh, yeah, all, all that you get to bond, you get to serve, you get to do this kind of stuff. You don't have to be highly skilled. Uh, you can just show up, and it's it's a great you can eat, eat street tacos. I mean, and, uh, churros at the border. I mean, it's amazing. Have you done that? And he was like, nope. Uh, Dude, I can't help you. I, I don't know. I'm like, do you want friends? Because there's like lots of opportunities where you can get connected and you can make some friends. It's not, it's not the. So we, we try to make that as easy as possible uh, for you to get connected. And we have this little card in your bulletin every single week with stuff on it other ways that you can jump in, that you can experience, that you can test things out, that you can meet new people. Uh, so don't give up. Just jump in. It's, it's great. It's great. There's good people here. I want to highlight one thing uh, at the bottom of this card. It's the faith adventure. Uh, May 2nd, there's a group of us going back down to Mexico. We have a uh, what do you call it, drywalled this hospice already. And this time we're doing some handiwork and some painting, right? Anybody can paint. So it's not just dudes carrying lumber and, you know, it's like painting and then some also some handiwork stuff. So there's a place, a role for everybody. Sign up with Monica on the patio at the outreach table. There's other people out there that can give you information. You can sign up today. That will be a great trip. Another way that you can feel connected here is by giving. And uh, we have this envelope in your bulletin. This is our giving envelope. We're not going to pass a plate along the aisles. Uh, We have boxes in the back. So it's just private. It's between you and God. Uh, But if this is your church home, if you're brand new, don't worry about this part. But if this is your church home, if you're part of this community, this is how you can give and support and be a part of what God's doing. Because after all, everything we have is God's. Everything we have is a gift from him. He even gives us the mental capacity and the physical capacity to earn wages and to work and to make a contribution. Everything is a gift from God. So this, this practice, this habit, this discipline of giving back a percentage of what he gives us, it's, it's just that. It's a habit uh, to honor him, to remind ourselves that he is the source. We are not our own source. So please join us in that. This past week I went to a conference I went to a conference. The conference was in Irvine, but there were people that came from all over the country and all over the world to be a part of this conference. And uh, by the way, if, you know, part of us growing and, and being all that God created us to be is being continual learners. So this was one thing that I did this past week to just continue to learn and to stretch and to grow. Uh, and, and I had a friend of mine that was there, and he came all the way from Nairobi, Kenya, and several of his friends. Now, I had visited Nairobi, Kenya a couple of years ago. I would visited his church. It's a church called Mavuno. This church is a partner church with us. So, like, we have the partnership in Mexico. We go down there every six weeks. We also have this partnership in Mavuno. And they are actually a network of ten churches that have a similar model and strategy as we do at Mariners. And, uh, and this church is the church from which we brought Rooted. In Swahili, they call it Mazizi, Isn't that right? And, uh, and so we basically stole it from them because it worked so great, and we just put it in English, and we just uh, made some Americanized modifications and did some things, and now that is what we use here, rooted. So it's an international phenomenon, rooted is. You might not have known that. And this is the church that we borrowed it from. And so my friend Kevin was at this conference, and I, and I knew that he was going to be at this conference. And I said, Kevin, since you're going to be at this conference, and I visited you in Kenya two years ago, would you come and visit our church here in Huntington Beach? I, I want them to get to know you, to meet you. I, I want you to be able to share a message with us, because our churches are very similar. His in downtown Nairobi, Kenya, and ours here in Huntington Beach. Ironically, are actually pretty similar. So he said yes, which is awesome. It's a big deal. And I asked him how I could introduce him. And so he emailed me something to introduce him. And I thought this was hilarious, so I'm just going to read it. <laughs> his name is Kevin. And I don't even prenen- pretend to pronounce his last name. He can say it. He can say it for you. No, I will. What is it again? Naritu, Naritu. Married to Lucy for six years, and we have two boys, ages four and one. Kevin has a love for cars, music, baking, and leadership. It's the first time I've seen baking and leadership side by side in a sentence, and I love it. And if I'd known that baking was one of his spiritual gifts, I would have had him come over and set me up for the week. (laughs) And then Kevin says, I will offer a free prayer service to anyone who drives an American muscle car. (laughs) So if that's you and it's in the parking lot, This day just got better for you. He says, I thought that I was tall until I met Caleb, and now I consider myself one of the rest. (laughs) Kevin is the lead pastor of Mavuno downtown in Nairobi, Kenya, which is one of 10 Mavuno churches that are spread across Africa and also Europe. He serves in the global partnerships, aligning this movement to the great vision that God has given us. It's a great privilege to have Kevin with us this morning, would you please welcome, from Nairobi, Kenya, Kevin.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you very much for, for having me here. Have you seen how tall this guy is? He's so tall. Uh, he makes me feel like... Sorry? Oh, where is Graham? Graham, can you stand? We need to verify this, whether you're taller than me, man. <laughs> Anyway, just joking. Uh, I'm really glad to be here today. It's such an honor for Caleb just and the team to invite me to share. I really feel like I'm at home because uh, the campus that I lead in Nairobi, Kenya is exactly the same as this. Because we meet in an auditorium exactly uh, the same as this, even the space. So I really feel like I'm at home, only that there are more white people. <laughs> so, so, anyway... Great, I came with my wife, uh, I think she's somewhere uh, in, in the building, somewhere, uh, so, so sad you don't get to see her, how beautiful she is. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, recently I was going through uh, one of the most popular stories in the Bible. I believe that many of us have heard this story, um, or probably you've heard it mentioned somewhere. And, and I found, what I found there really uh, struck me. I mean, this is a story of a man that uh, those of us who probably grew up going to church uh, you were taught by your Sunday school teacher about this story. Um, and it's one of those ridiculous stories because you really don't know how it happened. And this is the story of Jonah. How many of us know the story of Jonah or have heard about the story of Jonah? You know, how many of us believe that it happened? Okay, a few of us. You know, The interesting thing is that you know, uh, uh, we can get so caught up in that uh, uh, story, but this is the miracle of God. In, as you read the Bible. there's some things that happen, and you're just like, eh, I'm not very sure about that. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, uh, you know, this is the miracle of God, and, and that's not the point of the story, because I think even theologians have tried to prove that a fish can actually swallow a man, uh, uh, but, but that's not the point of the story, and, and, and I'm going to tell you why. And my hope is that even as I unpack this message, you'll begin to understand uh, uh, why this story is very important, but also We'll take it further, and also I hope that this message will act like a mirror for all of us so that we can evaluate our lives, uh, uh, especially when it comes to how God wants us to live uh, our lives. My accent uh, is a bit different, so, so, so you guys say better, I say better. Uh, so, so the T and the R's are a bit confused, so follow through. <laughs> is that better? Okay. Awesome, awesome. The story of Jonah is the story of a man who reigned from God. You know, uh, uh, Jonah uh, was a prophet in Israel, and, and prophets uh, tell the people what, what God has asked them to tell the people. So we find this story in the book of Jonah. No kidding. Jonah chapter 1 starts by saying that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Now, this word was uh, about the impending judgment of the people of Nineveh. Now let me explain to you uh, uh, why this had to happen. Because the the wickedness of the people of Nineveh had gotten to God, you know, and, and he was fed up, and he was like, you know, Jonah, you need to go and tell those people that I'm about to kill them. Uh, and 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 Jonah is. Let me first of all paint the picture of how wicked these guys were. They were so wicked that they will take pregnant women and rip off their bellies. Uh, uh, they were so wicked that they will take the leaders of the enemy nations, um, and Israel was actually one of the enemy nations. And, and they will skin their leaders alive. Uh, so there are people who were assigned to skin them alive. They were so wicked that they will take the warriors, you know, the leaders of, of, of the nation, and they will cut them into smaller parts, cut their hands off, cut their heads off, the legs. And then they'll put them in a heap outside the city. So that if they, any of their enemies wanted to attack them, look what happened to the other guy and you'll stay away. So this is how wicked these guys were. And I can can imagine how God was so fed up by these people. And that's why he sends Jonah to go and and give them this message that unless you change your ways, in 40 days, you're going to be destroyed. Now, don't we all love to receive a a specific message from God? You know, uh, 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 you, you love to be told by God, you know, God, this... This is where you want to go. This is what you need to do. Uh, uh, and the interesting thing is that Jonah does the exact opposite. So, so, so he's told by God, you know, go to the people of Nineveh and preach this message. But Jonah, dec- Jonah decides otherwise. He gets on a boat and gets a one-way ticket to Tashish, which is 2, 000, about 2,500 miles opposite of where he's supposed to be going. Talk about being stubborn. Of course, this guy gets on the boat uh, 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 and he, he, he goes away. And, but God was not done with him yet. While he's on the boat, uh, there's a huge storm. And of course, the boat is, is over uh, in, in the sea. And, and the sailors discover, even as they're having conversation with Jonah, they discover that there's a, Jonah is the reason why there's a storm in the sea. And, and, and even as they try to plead with God to save them, they finally decide that, you know what, we're going to toss this guy off. Uh, from the boat, you know, uh, and they toss him out, uh, uh, and, and, and when he's out of the boat, of course the, the sea calms, uh, and as he's drowning, you know, Jonah is swallowed by the big, Whale. big fish, okay? So, so imagine with me that he's in the belly of the fish. You know, growing up in Sunday school, I, I used to read these storybooks and it was very interesting because I remember vividly this picture of Jonah uh, and, and he was sitting in this nice uh, vacuum belly and it looked, very, it looked pretty clean, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you, you know, and how many of us imagine that Jonah was in a five-star fish? <laughs> Come on, we're in church, don't lie. How many of us sometimes we gloss over that story because we think that Jonah was in such a nice, cozy place, maybe even there was a bed. How many of us have seen that storybook where there's a lamp in the fish? Okay, that's, that's beside the story. But imagine with me how Jonah was in this place. It must have been smelly. Fish smells on the outside. Do you want to even to imagine how it is on the inside? It, it, it was messy. Well, that picture at least tries to describe it. But I can imagine, uh, do fish have intestines? Do they have intestines? Well, we don't know. All I just know is that it was stinking inside there. You know, it was dark. I am, I'm, I'm assuming it was very dark uh, inside this fish. And, and, and imagine with me what was going through Jonah's mind at this point. It is over for me. I'm done. I disobeyed God, and this is the punishment that I deserve. You know, what, what, whatever it is that God is doing, in fact, he deserves, I deserve this kind of punishment. Uh, uh, but it's very interesting that in chapter 2, instead of Jonah giving up, we find a journal entry of his prayer, a desperate call to God. And he cries desperately to God, and we find this in chapter 2. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and it continues, and this is the prayer that he cries desperately. Now, it wasn't a gentle cry for help. No, it was Help. I can imagine, because he was in a desperate situation. And the amazing thing, and the interesting thing that I see in this story, is that there are some of us who are probably in that deep, dark moment. Maybe even you feel like it is your fault that you are where you are right now. You feel like you've messed up. And I want to pray that this will be an encouragement to you, that looking at the story of Jonah, when you're in that dark season of your life, that dark moment when you think that it's over, it's done, it's dusted, I'm done, may this be an encouragement to you that you can still cry out to God, desperately cry out to Him and He will hear your prayer. Because Jonah cried desperately to God and we see at the end of chapter 2, God directed the fish to go and spit him out at the shores of the sea. So be encouraged if you're there and you feel like you're in a dark moment, even if you feel that you're the one who has done it, or you've messed up, it's your fault that you are where you are, may this be an encouragement to you that you can cry out to God desperately. This leads us into chapter 3 of the story of Jonah. And this is where the beauty and the goodness of God uh, uh, unveils, you know, uh, because he gave Jonah a second chance. Our God is a God of second chances. You know, he not only saved Jonah's life, but he reinstated Jonah to a place of trust, and purpose. Why? Because he told Jonah to do the exact same thing that he had told him in chapter 1. He told him to go back to the people of Nineveh and preach against them, tell them that he's going to destroy them. Our God is an amazing God, that even when we feel that we have messed up big time, God can still reinstate us to a place of purpose and to a place of trust, where he'll entrust us with the things that he has called us to do, the things that we've been created to do. And when you get a second chance in your life, your response should be that of quick obedience. Because we see in the story of Jonah that he didn't hesitate. In fact, chapter 3, we are told that he hurried towards Nineveh to teach and to sort of declare the message of God. Our response when you are given a second chance should be that of quick obedience. So, of course, he enters the city and he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, and Nineveh will be destroyed. Forty days, this is in chapter 3, verse 4. From now, Nineveh will be destroyed. As he proclaims the word of the Lord, something unusual happens in the city. It was totally unexpected because from the king to the last cattle in the city, what happens is that the king declares that there's going to be a time of repentance and a time of fasting. And this was totally unexpected. You know, Even Jonah didn't see this one coming. You know, uh, uh, and the king, you know, he declares that even the animals should wear sackcloths so that they can go down on their knees and pray to God. Perhaps God will hear their cry and will uh, forgive them. And of course, God relents and he did not destroy the city. In fact, we're told in chapter 6 that God changed his mind and he didn't destroy the city. Isn't that amazing? Out of the obedience of one person, the city of Nineveh had 120,000 people. It was a big city. 120,000 people, their destiny was changed for eternity because of the obedience of one man. So I can imagine if I was Jonah. You know, as preachers, you feel good when you've preached a good message. You know, I would love it if all of you guys will stand and give me a standing ovation at the end of this sermon. <laughs> you know? And you feel good when you've accomplished something. Those of us who are in business, when you, when you close a deal and it's a multi-million dollar deal, you, you feel good about yourself. You know, when, when, when you get married and it's, it's a beautiful lady or it's a handsome man, you, you, you pat yourself on the back and you're like, good job, man, you've done well. <laughs> it's. You want to pat yourself on the back, and I can imagine for Jonah, he should have patted himself on the back and say, "Hey, good job." I can. We are, all, we are always told uh, by teachers in the Bible from the Bible that uh, you know, when one person gives their life to Christ, there's a party in heaven. The angels party. hundred and twenty thousand people, man, heaven will come to a standstill because we'll throw street bushes, you know, on the streets of gold. Uh, uh, it will be a party up there because hundred and twenty thousand people have been changed for eternity. What an amazing ending to the story, but it doesn't end there. Because look at what chapter 4, how chapter 4 starts. Because chapter 4, verse 1 begins by saying, but Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. Now, Jonah was not just displeased. Jonah was greatly displeased. And what I feel from this story is that Jonah felt like God was a bit too soft on very bad people, the Ninevites. Remember how wicked these guys are? And God has decided to forgive them? Jonah felt that God was a bit too soft on bad people. I mean, what kind of God would want to forgive the murderous Ninevites? The people who murder people? What kind of God would want to forgive the adulterous uh, uh, people? Jonah felt that God was going a little bit too far. Do you ever feel like sometimes God is just pushing it a little bit too far? Well, I do sometimes. And you know, in some ways, maybe he had a point. The reality is that for almost all of us, there are certain people whom we really don't feel anything about. Or we just feel indifferent. You know, my parents separated when I was young. I think I was about 12 or 13 years. Uh, And my dad went ahead to remarry. And and he completely abandoned us because I, uh, I have three siblings. And he completely abandoned us. He refused to pay for my school fees. Uh, uh, and, and we struggled with, with my mom. My mom struggled to raise us up, uh, pay for us through school. Um, and, and it was hard. It was difficult for all of us. Uh, and I remember many years later, I think it was about probably 10, about 13 years later, I, I met with my dad. And I knew God had worked in me because the bitterness had come out, you know, the the... I had forgiven him, uh, and I was in a better space, but looking at him there and trying to have a conversation with him, I just felt indifferent. I felt like I, I don't care about him, you know. Yes, I have forgiven you, but there is no relationship here. We, we can't have a conversation. I don't even know what to say to you. Uh, uh, in the formative years of my life, you were not there for me, and I felt i I feel that about him, you know I struggle, so even as I share this message this, these are those people are there those people in your life? are there uh, the them you know there are those and then there's us you know uh, those guys who maybe for you it's 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 a person who broke your heart, uh, maybe for you, you are married, and then someone walked out of the door and and they broke your heart, maybe for you it's a sibling uh, or maybe you have a similar story like mine uh, uh, and, and for you, it's a, it's a father or it's a mother uh, who wounded you, and you feel like it's, it's them, uh, and, and then there's us. And, and Jonah, in this place, he feels like the Ninevites, it's, it's, it's them, and, and then there's us, they are good people. And, and them, they, they don't deserve to, to, to receive forgiveness from God. They don't deserve, deserve blessings from God. Uh, uh, it may be someone who has hurt you in the past. Maybe we don't really hate them. But we're indifferent. We're indifferent. We don't care about what happens. In fact, you, maybe even you pray for them and you say, you know, God, even if we end up in heaven, please let them not be my neighbors. <laughs> and, and Jonah is angry with God because God is showing mercy to his enemies, the enemies of Israel. And, 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 and he would rather the Ninevites perish You know, it will be victory to the whole earth because the the enemies have perished. Jonah cannot understand why God will decide to forgive them. The truth is that many of us are okay with God extending grace and blessing us. But we are not okay when God extends grace and bless them, bless our enemies or bless our competitors. We find it hard when God does something like that. Chapter 4, verse 4 and 5 says, the Lord speaks to Jonah and he says, is it right, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. Now, Jonah waited to see what would happen to the city. You see, he had not really expected them, the Ninevites, to turn to God. And I'm sure he walked out in protest to the east side of the city and he was waiting there to see because he he believed that these guys were being insincere. They were not they're also insincere in their in their apology to, towards God. And and he was probably he was waiting there so that he can count down the days until the day these guys will turn back and God we can can destroy them. And don't we even do that sometimes? Don't you feel like there, there are those people who we know who are completely lost on the highway to hell? And 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 When they turn around radically and their lives have changed, we start counting down, like, just give them six months, and it will be over for them. Because it's not a sincere apology. It's not a sincere turnaround in their lives. The story takes an interesting turn, and we see that God arranges for a few things to happen. Now, I've used the word arranged because the word arranged was used in chapter 1, where God arranged for the big fish to swallow Jonah. Okay, and that's just the miracle uh, of God. And, 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 and here, the Lord arranged for the great fish to swallow Jonah in verse 6 of chapter 4. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. Now, you know, if I was a Pentecostal preacher, I can preach a whole message on the word arranged. Someone say arranged. arranged. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This... Eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Just like the fish, the leafy plant was miraculous. It grew up overnight, and Jonah had absolutely nothing to do with it. Nothing. He just woke up and it was there. And the plant was a welcome relief. So Jonah was happy. But then God arranged for two more things. Verse 7 But God also, okay, walk with me here, walk with me here. But God also, for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm uh, uh, ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. Just like the fish and the plant, God also? For this worm. Okay. Verse 8. And the sun grew hot. God? Uh, for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. God can be funny sometimes. <laughs> like, why don't you just, just get to the point? Uh, tell us what you want to do, or do it. Again, God? Amen. So the sun blazed on Jonah's head, but there was no plan to protect him because the worm had eaten through the stem and the plant had withered away. So Jonah was depressed and physically weak. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, Jonah said. Interestingly, the first time that Jonah wanted to di- uh, felt that wanted to die, In verse 3, it's because he felt that God was treating the Ninevites only only as the good people deserved. And here, the second time that he really wants to die is because he feels like God is treating him only as they, the Ninevites, deserved. Are we together? And here we come to the real heart of the matter because then God said to Jonah, is it right, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? Be angry because the plant died? Yes. Angry enough to die. Now, let me just tell you, there's some prayers that you don't make to God because he can just do it like that. And here there are two things that I want to point to us as we conclude this message. The first one is that Jonah thought that he deserved God's blessings. Jonah thought that he deserved God's blessings there was an attitude of entitlement when it comes to... Maybe he he figured God had blessed him because he was a prophet. Maybe he figured that God had blessed him because he had obeyed what God had asked him to do and he went to the Ninevites and he preached the message to the Ninevites. Maybe he he figured that God would bless him because he he went to the temple quite often to pray. Maybe he just felt that that he deserved the, the blessing, whatever the reason. He didn't question, Jonah did not question why this miraculous plant had come, but he took it as an acknowledgement of his worth before God. Things were merely going as they should. That's what he thought, you know, I, I serve God and this is what should happen. And that's a lesson from Jonah's story that we so often miss. Sometimes we feel we have a right to receive God's blessings. Sometimes we feel, after all I have done for you, Lord, surely I deserve no less from you. Sometimes we feel and we find ourselves expecting that God owes us, that God owes us health, God owes us provision. I mean, God, I've been serving you for a very long time. I've been coming to church since I was born. Why am I still single? God, I've been giving to this church. Why is my father still ailing? God, we've committed ourselves to the community. We give to the community. We've been givers. We've been been great people blessing others. Why am I going through what I'm going through right now? And we feel that God owes us, not realizing that the miraculous thing that happened when God provided the plant is the same way that God provides our blessings, that we have absolutely nothing to do with it. The second thing, In fact, before I go to the second thing, we begin to think that our blessings are a compensation for serving God or being faithful to God. And it takes us to the second thing, which Jonah was more concerned about his own comfort. Jonah was more concerned about his own comfort. There's an attitude of apathy here. Then the Lord said, "You, you feel sorry about the plant, Jonah, though you did nothing to put it there. This is in verse 10. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. And God is asking Jonah, should not I feel sorry for such a great city? And I love how gently Jonah deals with God, even as he's rebuking him. You know, it's like he's calling Jonah into his office. You know, it's like your boss calling you into his office, and then he lowers his glasses, like, Jonah, let's Let's, let's discuss this plant for a minute. It seems that you're very concerned about it. Come, come let's, let's talk about this plant for a minute. Jonah, you're, you're very concerned about the plant, yet you didn't put a seed in the ground for it to grow. You, you didn't water it for it to grow. You had absolutely nothing to do with it for it to get to where it was. Nothing. Okay, let's, let's pause there. Let's Let's think about me for a minute. Let's think about me, God, for a minute. The the people of Nineveh, the city of Nineveh, I created them. I created them. I created the earth that provides food and water for them. Shouldn't I be concerned about the cattle in the city? And, and, and Jonah, if I can be concerned about the cattle in the city, shouldn't I be concerned about the 120,000 people of Nineveh? You see, those things that we are concerned about, those things that we are praying about, you see, the, the, that job that you've been praying for for a very long time, that, that marriage partner that you're asking God to provide, you know, that healing that God is, you're asking God to give you, that home that you're asking God to give you, all these things are good. And and God is glad that you're concerned about them and that you're praying for them. But you need to realize, and my prayer is that there'll be a mind shift somewhere for all of us, that all these are just but tools to help us extend God's influence in this earth. The health, the provision, the relationships that we have, all these things God has provided for them to us so that we can be able to extend His influence in this earth. When our comfort, convenience, or safety determine when, how, where, what, we are going to serve God, then I suggest to us that our focus has shifted from the giver to the gift. When we are so concerned about how comfortable it is, how safe it is, What is it in need for me? We have shifted from the giver to the gift. And our prayer and my prayer, while I like those blessings, while I like praying about those things, should be Lord, make me passionate about the things that you're passionate about. This should be our prayer. You know, it's easy as Christians to do the Jonah thing. Sit comfortably in our churches. Come here every Sunday and enjoy comfortably. You know, it's very easy for us to meet in our life groups and enjoy uh, the relationships there. It's very easy for us to be comfortable in our rooted groups and move on as long as it is safe and everything is working out. But you know, the only reason that God has given us a privilege to encounter this, the only reason why we have this kind of a community is because there's an expectation that God has of us that as we are blessed, we need to be a blessing to others. Lord, Make me passionate about the things that we are passionate about. We are not here to acquire wealth. We are not here to acquire education. We are not here to acquire marriage. All these things are just but tools. All these things are just but things that God has given us so that we can be a blessing, so that we can extend His influence in the earth. Who are you? Are they? Who are you them? Who are those people that you feel indifferent about? It could be your neighbor. It could be your sister. It could be even the person who's sitting right next to you right now. Who are you there? And God is asking us, have you extended my influence? Have you extended my love, my care, my mercy to these people? Unfortunately, my own prayers, my own prayers are often, God bless me with this, you know, I'm, I'm in the same place. I struggle. I find it hard because, God, I want you to bless me. One of the things that I've been praying for for a, for a very long time now is, God, I am praying for a house for my family, to be able to own a home for my family. And I, I find myself praying these things. God, I, I, I need a better car for my family. And I get caught up in this. God, I need to be able to make investment. God, I, I need a comfortable life. I need that. And I get to the place where I feel entitled. because i serve you and i serve your people god the least that you can do is bless me with these things and i get stuck there and my prayer is that together with you our there will be a paradigm shift and we will begin changing our prayers to lord make me passionate about the things that you're passionate about the book of jonah ends in jonah chapter 4 but it has an abrupt ending it's not what you're used to it's not a norm because in verse 10, this is what verse 10 says. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention the animals. Should not I feel sorry for such a great city? This is how the story of Jonah ends. And you know, we we all expect that the writer should say something like, you know what, and, and Jonah repented, and, and then they lived happily ever after with the Ninevites, and everything went on well. But it doesn't end like that. There are a couple of reasons. Maybe the writer got tired. Maybe, maybe some of the manuscripts got lost. Maybe God's point was already made. We don't even have to continue further. God has already made his point. I have an opinion. And my opinion is this. God wants you to end the story. What if God wants us to remove the name of Jonah and you include your name there? How will this story end for you? Should not I be concerned about the great city of Nineveh? And God is asking you, should I be concerned about your Ninevites? You're them, you're they. How will this story end for you? As we sing this song, I pray that you will reflect and figure out how does this story end for you.
1: Insulated a little bit more easy. It's not a it's not shame on you, it's just real for all of us for me. It was convicting for me. There is that entitlement that just keeps on creeping in. So it takes us being intentional to listen to what God is saying and to respond even to the people that don't deserve it. Because we don't deserve it. Thank you, Kevin, for being here this morning. Thank you for sharing with us. <clears throat> excited for next week. Next week, uh, I, I'm excited about the message that I'm going to bring uh, next week. And I'm going to make an announcement about where we are on uh, our pursuit of a next space. As you can see, there's not much more space in this space. And, uh, and, and I think that God has in mind to do something special in the very new, near future, get us in, get us, getting us into the next space. So don't miss next week. In fact, we put these little invites in your bulletin. You see how fancy that is? They're perforated. Some of you saw that already and you thought that, that you were impressed, weren't you? That these, these tear, that way you can invite more than just one, one human. You can invite multiple people with one card, you see? And it's got address and everything on here because you already know how to get here, but they don't. So, you know, this is, this is like lunch, server, uh, dinner, neighbor, and coworker on Monday. It's like all, all in one little deal. Even, even maybe like an enemy, maybe like a really bad person, maybe a person that doesn't deserve it, uh, gets one of these reset invites and is brought back next week. If you want someone to pray with you this morning for any reason, we have leaders on the other side of that wall that would love to pray with you before you go today. So stop, pause, do that thing. And let me just say a simple blessing over you right now. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause you to be a little less comfortable. So that you can hear his voice, so that you can extend his grace, so that you can be love in your home, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your community this week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See you next week.
0: You know, it's interesting that many times you read through the Bible and then when you reread the same stories, you, you find different insights in the story. Uh, and I mean, this is the story of a man. Those of us who probably grew up in church, you've heard about, uh, uh, maybe you, you, you went to Sunday school and your Sunday school teacher taught you about this story or, or, or you heard about it from someone uh, just because of the miracle or the, the mystery behind this story. And I'm talking about the story of the man named Jonah. You familiar with that story? How many of us know that story? How many of us believe that you was swallowed by a big fish? Oh, okay. We have many believers in this service than the previous one. <laughs> Caleb, I see the why you like this service. Anyway. Awesome. Uh, 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 you know, and, 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 and some of us probably might not even believe in this story. This is the story of Jonah where you are swallowed by a big fish. Uh, uh, and you know, that's not really the point. And my hope is that as I unpack this message today, you'll begin to understand why. And my hope is also that this message will be act like a mirror uh, for you and for us also, so that we can evaluate our lives based on where we are on the spectrum or, or the spectrum of life, based on, on, on what God wants uh, us to do and how He wants us to live. You know, the story of Jonah is is, is of a man. It begins with a man who ran away from God. Uh, um, Jonah was a prophet in Israel, and you know prophets are called to... Uh, they're supposed to send messages. You know, they, they're supposed to declare the message of God to the people. And we find this story in the book of Jonah. No kidding. Jonah chapter 1. It starts uh, uh, in verse 1, and it says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Uh, and, and, and this word was about the impending judgment of the people of Nineveh. Now, let me explain something. The people of Nineveh were wicked people. And, and, and I, th- I, I believe that God had become so angry with these people just because of their wickedness. Let me explain how wicked these guys were. You know, uh, they were so wicked that they will, they will take pregnant women and rip their bellies apart. Uh, they were so wicked that they will assign some of their people to, to, to skin the, the, the leaders of their enemies, you know, and you're being skinned alive. You know, they, they will cut off the, 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 the heads, the hands, and the legs of the warriors. Uh, and then what they'll do is that they'll put all them in a, in a huge heap outside their city so that if any of their enemies thought of coming to attack them, look what happened to the, previous, to the last guy. You know? And this is how these guys were, they were so wicked. So this, this must have sh- definitely made God very angry towards these people. And so he sends Jonah to go to Nineveh, and, and, and declare this message that, you know what? I'm going to destroy. I'm about to kill all of you. So, of course, Jonah has received a message. And don't we all love to just receive a specific message from God? Uh, 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 you know, uh, you're praying, God, I, 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 I need this. And he tells you exactly and specifically how you're going to go about that. And it's amazing. But Jonah decides to do the complete opposite of what God had asked him to do. And Jonah gets on a boat buys a one-way ticket, and heads off in the opposite direction, to Tashish. He's supposed to be going to Nineveh. He heads to Tashish. So he's on the boat. Of course, uh, 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 you can run from God, but you can't hide. He's on the boat. And of course, as he's on the boat, uh, there's a huge storm. Uh, that comes around, and, and of course, the, 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 the boat is being shaken around, and the sailors are wondering. and in, as they're engaging in the conversation with Jonah, they discover that Jonah is the reason why there's a storm in the first place. So what do you do? You get rid of the guy, right? So you toss him off the boat, uh, uh, and the guys decide to toss him off the boat, and, 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 and while he's drowning, of course, the sea now becomes calm, uh, hallelujah moment, and, and while he's drowning, there's a big that swallows Jonah. <laughs> Are we together? How many of us, you know, I grew up, you know, this story I was taught when I was, was, on, when I was in Sunday school. Was there a photo? Okay, I missed it. Uh, I, 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 I was taught this story in Sunday school and, and every time I thought about Jonah in the fish, have you ever imagined how it was in the fish? Have you ever asked yourself how it was in the fish? And you know, every time I used to think about it, that picture was right there. It was very vivid for me because it used to, be look, it used to look like this sanitized place where it's nice and clean. You know, in fact, even there are some storybooks where there's a lamp in the fish. Uh, uh, anyone read a story or seen a, a picture like that one? How many of us imagine that Jonah was in a five-star fish? <laughs> you know, everything was comfortable. Maybe he was being served some culinary uh, uh, dessert and all that. Uh, he was having seafood. Um, but can you imagine if, if fish stinks on the, well, smells, stinks is a strong word, smells on the outside, can you imagine how it is on the inside? It must have been slimy uh, and, and, and smelly and, and it must have been dark uh, for, for Jonah. Uh, and he's right there in the fish. So, so uh, this guy, what must have been going through his mind? And I imagine probably he thought, I'm done. You know, you know, I disobeyed God. God told me to go to Nineveh, and I'm heading to Tashish. I deserve this kind of punishment. I mean, I've disobeyed God. What else do I need? Uh, 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 This kind of punishment is what I need. And my prayer is that as we look at Jonah chapter two, because Jonah chapter two, even as Jonah is in that belly of the fish, he cries out to God desperately, and we find in Jonah chapter two this is his entry of the prayer that he desperately made to God crying out to God that, God, please, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called on to the Lord, and he answered me. This is the prayer that Jonah made. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. Because according to him, he considered, in fact, there's a version that says, I called out to you from hell. Because according to him, where he was, it was like hell. And my prayer is that for someone who's here today, may this be an encouragement, that that dark season that you're going through right now in your life, or that dark moment that you are in and nothing is making sense to you and you can't even see uh, uh, where you're going or even where you're coming from, may it be an encouragement to you that you can still cry out to God desperately and God will answer your prayer. That even when you feel like it is your fault, why you are where you are, My prayer is that learning from the story of Jonah, you can be able to cry out to him desperately and he will answer. Because at the end of chapter 2, God answered Jonah and he arranged for the fish to go and uh, 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 spit Jonah at the shore of the sea. Are we together? Up to that point, we get into chapter 3 and this is where we see the beauty and goodness of God. You know, because God, God gave Jonah a second chance. And our God is a God of second chances. However much Jonah had blown up, however much he had messed up, we see that God, jo, God had given Jonah a second chance in chapter 3. And this is what it happened. He reinstated him back to the position of trust and purpose. Because what God did is that he told Jonah to go back to the people of Nineveh. Same thing that he was told to do in chapter 1. And he told him to go back to the people of Nineveh and declare that he's about to destroy them. And you know, the interesting thing is that when God gives you a second chance, learning from this story, our response should, that be, should be that of quick obedience. When God gives you a second chance, your response should be one of quick obedience. So Jonah did not hesitate. He went to Nineveh to proclaim the message of God to the people. And the message itself was very simple. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. And as he's proclaiming the message of the Lord, something very interesting happens. And this was really unexpected. In fact, even Jonah did not see this one coming. Because from the king to the last cattle, we are told in the Bible, in chapter 3 of Jonah, that the king declared that there's going to be a fast and everyone from, every, every human being and every cattle was going to wear a sackcloth. And they were going to go down in repentance and fasting, praying to God that perhaps, perhaps God will find it possible that he can forgive them for their wickedness. And we are told, in fact, one version tells us that God changed his mind. God relented and he did not destroy the city. What an amazing story that Jonah finally obeying God and doing what God has called him to do, going to where he's supposed to be. And 120,000 people, that was the number of the people in the city of Nineveh, finally decide to change their ways and do what God wants them to do. 120,000 people changed for eternity. Man, don't you feel good about that? You know, we as preachers, I would love that at the end of this sermon, that I will stand, people will stand up and give me a standing ovation as I end this message. Don't you just love when you finish a, 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 a great thing or you've done a good thing and, and you want to pat yourself on the back because Jonah has done a great thing. 120,000 people at a go. That's an amazing thing. And we expect that Jonah here will enjoy and pat himself on the back that he's done a great thing. But look at how chapter 4 begins because chapter 4 verse 1 says, but Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry what is wrong with this guy? <laughs> I mean, you've just closed... A, imagine yourself, you're doing, you have a business, and you close a million-dollar deal, or, 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 or you get married to this wonderful uh, uh, man or wonderful woman. Don't you want to pat yourself on the back and say, wow, God has blessed me on this one? But this guy was greatly displeased by what God did and how God blessed the people. And he wasn't just displeased, he was greatly displeased. And why is Jonah angry? You need to ask that question. And I suggest to us that it seems that Jonah felt that God was a bit too soft on very bad people, that God was a bit too soft. In fact, I think he felt that God went a little bit too far. Like, why would you forgive such murderous people who are the Ninevites? Why would God forgive give such adulterous uh, 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 people You know, the reality is that almost all of us here, almost all of us, there are certain people whom we really don't feel anything for. And I feel like Jonah was in that place where he felt like those people, those people of Nineveh, how, God, how can you forgive those people after all that they've done? And you know, the interesting thing is that I identify with Jonah. I identify with him because my, my parents uh, uh, divorced when I was very young. I think I was about 12 or 13 years old. And, 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 and my dad remarried, and he abandoned us. I have three siblings, uh, and he abandoned us. It was a struggle for, for, for my, my mom uh, just taking care of us, the four of us. And, and, and you know, it was, it was just living by grace. And many years later, I think about 10 years later, I, I, I met him. Uh, and, and standing there, I knew God had already done something in my heart, and he had helped me to forgive him, but I just didn't know how to have a conversation with him. I was very indifferent. I felt indifferent. I didn't care about him. Yes, I was not bitter towards him, but I just didn't care about him, and I just felt that, you know what, there's nothing. I can't even have a conversation with him. There's no connection, and I struggle with that, and I identify with Jonah's story because I feel like God, I don't expect you to bless someone like him after all my family and I went through. And I believe that many of us here have those people that we can say they are those people, and then there's us. I believe that maybe there's someone here who has a similar story to mine, that there are those people, you know, my father hurt me, or maybe even it's a spouse who walked out of the door and they broke your heart, and you feel like it's those people God, I don't even want to be concerned or or to be a part of those people because I deserve your blessing. I deserve to be who I am. I, I deserve, I deserve. And we feel like those people, they, them, don't deserve the blessings, the mercy, the goodness, the beauty of God. And the truth is that for many of us, we are okay with God extending grace and extending blessings to us but we find it very hard for God to do the exact same thing for those people, for them, for they, because of what they've done to us or how they've hurt us. We continue the story in verse 4 and 5, and the Lord replied to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about this? God is talking to Jonah. Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what Will happen to the city. You see, Jonah went out to the east side of the city because he knew that these guys were not being sincere in their apology, or he thought so. He thought, you know, let me just go and watch because we said 40 days, so let me just, let me count down and see how many more days they will, they will, they will get this thing going. And it's almost as if he was waiting to watch and see, you know, I, I'm waiting for the day that they will sin and then God will just mark them. Don't we also do the same? We know people who are on the highway to hell, they are lost, completely lost. But the day they make a turnaround in their lives, we start counting down. And, like, just give them six months. (laughs) And they will be back to their ways. And this is what Jonah is doing because he goes to sit down, uh, sit at the east side of the city. Now, (laughs) interesting. The story takes a very interesting turn. We see that God arranges for a few things to happen. Now, the word arranged that I've used here is the same word that was used uh, 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 when God arranged for the big fish to swallow Jonah. And in chapter 1, verse 17, the Lord, in verse 6 of chapter 4, said, the Lord arranged for a leafy plant to grow there, and soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shedding him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Just like the fish, the leafy plant was... Miraculous. It grew up overnight. Jonah had absolutely nothing to do with it. He just woke up and there it was. And the plant became a welcome relief, greatly easing his discomfort. Jonah was very happy, you know, that that this about this plant. And then God arranged for two more things. God arranged for. Okay, walk with me here. Walk with me here. God arranged for two more things, two more things. But God also arranged. Okay, walk with me. God also? For a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. Isn't God hilarious sometimes? Just like the fish and the plant, God also arranged for this worm. And as the sun grew, in verse 8, grew hot, God arranged, again, God arranged, for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah, Do you get to that place where you're like, okay, God, just get to the point. (laughs) Again, God arranged so that the sun blazed on Jonah's head, but there was no plan to protect him because remember the worm had eaten through the stem and now there's no more plan to shade him. And Jonah was depressed and physically weak. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. And he says, death is suddenly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Now, interestingly enough, When when The first time Jonah wished he was dead, in verse 3 of the same chapter, where he felt God was treating the Ninevites better than they deserved, now again he wants to die because he feels that God is treating him only as they deserved. And this is where we get to the heart of the matter. Because in verse 9, then God said to Jonah, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, angry enough to die. There's some prayers that you just don't make to God, okay? Even if you're angry. But one of, one of the things that I love here about Jonah's uh, 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 um, point is that he was very honest towards God. And sometimes God just encourages us to come honestly towards him. Are, we, are you angry? Are you bitter? Come before God. And this is what we see in, uh, in Jonah's story here. Now, two things that I pick out from this story. The first one, is that Jonah thought that he deserved God's blessings. There was an attitude of entitlement for Jonah to be so angry at what was happening. Maybe Jonah figured that God blessed him because he was a prophet. Maybe Jonah figured that God blessed him because he came from Israel, the nation of God. Maybe Jonah figured out that, you know, God blessed me because I used to go to the temple very many times and I've served God. Maybe Jonah figured that, you know what, God has blessed me because I've obeyed him and I've done what he asked me to do. Whatever the reason, he didn't question why this miraculous plant had come to be, but he took it as an acknowledgement of his worth before God. Things were merely going as they should, Jonah thought. You know, I deserve the blessing. I deserve a plant. I mean, I'm the prophet. That's a lesson from Jonah's story that we so often miss. Sometimes we feel that we have a right to receive God's blessing. After all that I've done for you, Lord, surely I deserve no less from you. You know, God, I've been serving you for a very long time. Lord, the least that you can do for me is to heal my mother or heal my brother. God, I've been giving to this church. I've been committed to this church for a very long time. How comes I'm still single and I've been praying for a marriage partner for years? God, I've been committed to the community. I've been a blessing to the community. And I feel that you owe me at this point. You know, it's interesting because many of us go through this. As a pastor, this is what I go through many times because I feel there's that place where, God, I serve you. I serve your people week in, week out. God, the least that I can pray for, the least that you can do for me is answer my prayers. And I know I've prayed, I've made prayers, God, for comfort. I've I've made prayers even for him to bless me with a better car, with a better house. And all these things are to make me comfortable. But Jonah thought that he deserved God's blessings. The second thing we see is that Jonah was more concerned about his own comfort. Because in verse 10, then the Lord said, You feel sorry about the plant? Though you did nothing to put it there, it it came quickly and died quickly, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I, God, feel sorry for such a great city? And I, I love how gently God deals with Jonah, even as he rebukes him. You know it's like God is inviting him to into this space. It's like your boss inviting you into his office and say uh, and even lowering his glass and like come come let's let's discuss this plant for a minute. Cuz you seem very concerned about this plant. Can we talk about this plant for a minute, Jonah? Let's let's talk about it, Jonah. Um, you didn't even put a seed in the ground for this plant to grow. Jonah, you, you you didn't even water it in the first place for it to grow. You had absolutely nothing to do with this plant, for it to get to where it was. OK, let's, let's pause there for a minute. Let's, let's think about me. Let's think about God for a minute uh, um, and, and, and the city of Nineveh. The, the, the people of this city, I created them. You know, the, the, the animals, everything that is in this city, I created that. You know, the, the earth that gives them food and water, I, I created that. Jonah, shouldn't I be concerned about the cattle? And, and, and if I can be concerned about the cattle, Jonah, shouldn't I be concerned about the 120,000 people that I created? You see, those things that you are concerned about, you see those prayers that we keep on making, that job that you've been praying for, that spouse that you've been praying for, that health, that provision that you are waiting on God for, all these things are good, and God is is glad that you're concerned about them. But all these things are just but tools to help us spread God's influence in this earth. When our comfort, convenience, or safety begin to determine for us where, when, what, how, we are going to serve God, then I suggest to us, church, that our focus has shifted from the giver to the gift. When we begin to ask for these things, when we begin to gauge how we are going to serve God based on our convenience, then our focus has shifted from God to the gift. All these gifts are simply tools to help you achieve God's purpose, to spread His influence across the earth and bring people back to Him, This is what Jonah was sent to do. All he needed to do was to play his part to allow God to do his part. Well, I like those blessings. Well, I like praying those prayers. Our prayer, my prayer should be, Lord, make me passionate about the things that you're passionate about. Our prayer should be that of, Lord, make me passionate about the things that you're passionate about. You know, it's very easy for Christians to do the Jonah thing. It is very easy for us to sit comfortably in our churches and, 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 and wait for God to destroy all those sinful cities. It is very easy for us to enjoy sitting in the church, you know, enjoy our life group relationships, enjoy coming here and, and, and doing Rooted, and, and just having fun. It is possible for us to do that and having church every week as the lost people. And we feel nothing as those who are around us continue to head into destruction. Who are your they? Who are your them? Who are those people that you're least concerned about? Who are those people that you're so indifferent, that you really care nothing about? That even when you pray, you know, God, get them to heaven, but even when we're in heaven, I don't want them to be my neighbor. Who are those people? Who Who are your them? It could be your sister. It could be your brother. It could be your wife or your husband. Probably it's even the person who's sitting right next to you right now. Who is your them? Lord, make me passionate about the things that you're passionate about. You know, we are not here to acquire wealth. We are not here to acquire education. We are not here to get married. All these things are merely blessings that God is giving us so that we can accomplish what he wants us to accomplish, so that we can do what God has called us to do. Unfortunately, my prayers, as I said, are often, God, make me comfortable. God, bless me with more money. God, bless me with a nice house. God, give me this. God, give me that. Unfortunately, this has been my prayer. And many are the times when, as a pastor, I feel entitled to do these things or to even ask God of these things. But God's blessings, church, are too big for our pockets. God's blessings are too big for our pockets. If God decided to bless you today, you'll not even be able to contain the blessings. And God is saying that's not the point. This is not the point of Jonah's story. The point of Jonah's story is God's heart for his people. Like, yes, they are wicked people. I know they are, but I created them and my heart goes out to them. And God is asking today, my son, my daughter, will you be passionate about the things that I'm passionate about? Will your heart bleed for those who are lost? You know, the book of Jonah ends in chapter 4 and it ends abruptly. This, this, this story of Jonah just ends abruptly. It doesn't end the way we are used to. And, and if you can just put that up, Jonah chapter 4, it says, Then the Lord said, You feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But then in verse 11, it says, But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Should I feel sorry for such a great city. And that's how it ends. You know, we expect that it will come back and tell us, you know, um, Jonah repented, he was forgiven by God, and the people of Nineveh and Jonah lived happily ever after. And you expect a fairy tale ending. And there are a couple of reasons probably why this did not end. Maybe the writer got tired. Maybe there are some manuscripts that got lost. Maybe God's point was already made. But I have an opinion. Could it be? But this story does not end because God wants you to end that story. God wants you to remove Jonah's name and for you to put your name there. God wants you to end the story. How will this story end for you? Who are your Ninevites? Who are your them, they, those people? And God is saying, will you be passionate about those people? the way I'm passionate about? Will you choose to rise up today from your comfort zone and do something about that person? Do something about those people. Will you choose this day to be passionate about the things that I'm passionate about? I want to invite us into a time of reflection. And as we sing this song, I don't know how you resonate with Jonah's story, but my prayer is that you will choose your ending. My prayer is that going forward, when you walk out of these doors, how will your ending be? Lord, make us passionate about the things that you're passionate about. Thank you.
1: tend to go. So hopefully for us this morning, it's just a reminder that we have to continually be intentional about listening and about being quick to obey, quick to respond, quick to reach out to others, to extend grace and forgiveness and generosity, even when they don't deserve it, because we don't deserve it. Thank you, Kevin, for being here, for sharing with us this morning. It was great to have you. Of miles just for us. We know we appreciate that. Uh, next week, I'm continuing the series reset, and I'm excited about this message. You'll see in your you'll see in your um, bulletins, we have invites. Three, three invites in one. Do you see that little perforation? You can tear them, you know, hand them to more than just one person. That's like your server at lunch. Uh, somebody that you know in the neighborhood at dinner, and a co worker tomorrow. You get an invite and bring them also next week I'm going to be sharing about where we're going, uh, what it looks like God's doing in terms of our next space because we will be a church, we are a church we will continue to be a church who always reaches out, who always welcomes in who always extends God's loving hands and His grace to others in our homes, in our communities, in our neighborhoods and we're just going to keep making room for our friends and family so uh, I will make that announcement next week don't miss that if you need prayer for any reason, we have leaders that would love to pray for you on the other side of that wall. So stop and do that before you go. But I want to say a simple blessing over you right now. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may he cause you to be a little bit uncomfortable. So that you will listen. So that you will follow. So that you will obey. And so that you will extend grace and love to the people around even the people that you don't like. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week. Beach all day. And then here's the thing. You can bring your friends who are at the beach with you. You just bring them. And we'll have like a hose set up. We're going to spray off sandy feet. It's just like come as you are all summer long. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, Hey, if you are new, first time, second time, third time, if you haven't filled out one of these Connect cards on the back of your bulletin, Uh, We put these on here not because we're weird stalkers or like needy, uh, but we, we just really want to get to know you if you want to be known. Uh, so if you would fill that out, what, what, what you can do is you can take it to the Welcome Center right out there, hand it to someone that's there at the little table. They'll give you a gift that's actually a decent gift you'll probably appreciate. And then, uh, and then we'll just let you know of stuff that's going on. I send out an email uh, once a week giving you an update on things, and it's just a great way to get plugged in. I was talking with somebody recently, and they were saying, I don't really feel plugged into the church yet. And I was like, okay, well, talk to me about that. Let's fix that. And, and what's my first question when someone says that they don't feel connected yet? Have you filled out a card? And he was like, yeah, I actually did. And I said, great. Did someone call you? Yeah, someone called me and emailed me. Great. Did you call him back? <laughs> did you email him back? No. no. Thank you. <laughs> he said it just like that, too. It was like a little bit of a Kermit, a little bit of a, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and But I was like, that's okay. That's okay. Let's move on from there. And the, the next question I ask is, have you gone through Rooted? And he was like, well, I went to the first two. Oh, And he says, I wasn't really feeling it. You know, no one's feeling it after the first two sessions. You're still looking at strange people like, I don't know if I like you. It takes a few to get going and to bond, and you got to go like the prayer experience is the deal. And then some groups don't even really bond until week seven. It's a process. That means you have to engage the process. But I wasn't judging. I wasn't condemning them. I was like, that's okay, that's okay. Uh, Let's move on. What's the next thing? Uh, Do you show up on Sundays and serve anywhere? You can jump on a team and you can serve on the patio. You can serve with kids, with with junior high, whatever. And he's like, no, I I haven't done that. Okay, um, you're hurting me, but let me, one more time, well, one more time. There, you, there's these things that you can do in the community, too. We have teams that go, and they tutor people at Pacific Courts, and they go and serve in Oakview, and we take trips down to Mexico. Have you done any of those things? No, I haven't done. Now, do you actually want friends, dude, honestly? I mean, is it, are you just, are you playing with me, or what? We have so many ways that you can get connected if you want to get connected. And so it's on you. We really want to help you, uh, but you do have to engage. You have to take a step. In, in this, in this uh, what did I call it, a bulletin, we got this card thing that has a bunch of different ways that you can get connected. So I send out an email once a week. There's also this card with numerous things that are coming up. Check that out. Pay attention to that. Uh, you can sign up. It always gives you a contact or tells you what to do. Uh, this, not this Saturday, but a coming Saturday, May 2nd, We're doing another faith adventure to Mexico. So if you have not done that yet, you should. It's awesome. The people that go almost always go back. Uh, Churros at the border, street tacos. There's just all kinds of good things. You're in vans with people you get to know, and you get to work side by side with folks and do good right? Do good for people that are less fortunate. And we're bu- we've been building a hospice house down there. All the drywall is done from some studly people that have worked on that. And now uh, I think it's painting time and some handiwork time. So there's a role for everyone to play. If you can do this, uh, you, can, you can add value on this trip. So it, sign up with Monica on the patio. That will be great. Also, a way you can feel connected to our church is by giving. We put these envelopes in your bulletin. Uh, for you to use, uh, because if you're a part of this church, if you're if you're brand new, this is not for you. Don't pay attention. But if, if this is part, if you're part of this church, if this is your church, uh, you could it would be great if you would support what God is doing here by giving to it. We believe that everything that we have, all of our resources are from God, and that he gives us the capacity to work, he gives us functional bodies, he gives us minds, uh, that our ability to earn income is a gift from him, and also every good thing is a blessing from God. And it's a discipline, it's a practice, it's a habit for us to give back to him uh, to remind ourselves that we are not our own source. That we are not the ones who keep this world turning, that we are dependent on him. And so that's a, that's a habit, that's a practice that keeps us kind of in tune with what he's doing and it enables this church to keep doing what we do and serving so many people in this community and expanding our reach and letting more and more people know that God loves them. So we do it that way. We, do, we don't pass plates uh, here so you don't have to be like, oh shoot, it's in the car, dang. Uh. Uh, we put boxes in the back and then this is just between you and God, envelope, box, that's how we do it. I was at a conference this week and uh, by the way, if you, part of like following God, part of becoming all that God intended you to be in the first place means you got to be a continual learner. Always learning, always uh, gaining, stretching, going past your comfort zone a little bit so that you can, you can grow and develop and be, be what he meant to, to be and make your mark in this world. And, uh, and so I was doing a little bit of that this week, went to a conference I knew that some friends of mine were going to be at this conference. There was people from all over the West Coast, but there was also people from the other from other parts of the world, including Nairobi, Kenya. Now, I had been to Nairobi, Kenya, a couple of years ago, and I visited a church there called Mavuno. And Mavuno is a church that Mariners partners with, just like we partner with the people in Mexico. uh, We partner with this this network of ten churches in Kenya called Mavuno. And I went there. I got to meet these great pastors that are there from several of these churches. And uh, and it's it's a fantastic ministry, really similar to Mariners, but like the Kenyan version, and uh, and it's also where we borrowed rooted. We kind of stole it. We took so rooted. Rooted was just like this amazing thing that these guys had invented over there in Kenya, and uh, and, and we took it. We brought it here. We contextualize it to our culture. Uh, they called it mazizi, which is Swahili, means rooted. So the American word is rooted, and so we call it rooted. And now it's all over the world, and a bunch of churches here in the United States are using it. If you've been through it, you know how profound that experience is. That came from Africa. That came from Kenya. That came from Nairobi, Kenya. And it came from our friends uh, who are there and who are here this week because they were at this same conference. So I knew that my friend Kevin was going to be in town for that conference. And so I talked to him ahead of time, and I said, dude, dude, I've been to your church. Could you come and could you speak at Mariners Church, Huntington Beach? Because I think that you have something that would really connect with our people, and it's similar, really, to his church in a lot of ways in downtown Nairobi. And he agreed to do it. I asked him, uh, which is a big deal, by the way. You're you're gonna love him. And I asked him to help me with his intro. And so he emailed me something, and I wanted to read it because I think it's hilarious. <laughs> this is Kevin, and he's married to Lucy. They've been married for six years. And uh, they have two boys, ages four and one. And he says he has a love for cars, music, baking, and leadership. It's the first time I've seen the words baking and leadership next to each other, and I got a kick out of that. And I wish that I would have had him over to our house earlier. He could have just set us up for the week, you know, just just good good something. I don't know. What's your what's your do you have a go-to when you're baking? What do you do? We just chocolate cakes. I'd probably go over well here. The, the international sign of peace and love and friendship it's chocolate cake. We, we should have thought ahead and, and gotten that right. Chocolate cakes and leadership. Uh, I will, he says, I will offer a free prayer service to anyone who drives an American muscle car. <laughs> Do you know that there's a couple who was here this morning and they came back tonight in like a 66 Mustang just for you? Yeah. <laughs> I'll show it to you. It's in the parking lot. Uh, He goes on. I thought I was tall and then I met Caleb and now I consider myself one of the rest. (laughs) He still hasn't met Graham or our other. uh, We have a guy in our church who's 6'11". Did you know that? Played pro volleyball. Uh, Lead pastor of Mavuno downtown Nairobi, Kenya, which is one of ten campuses of Mavuno Church spread all across Africa and Europe. He also serves in global partnerships, aligning the movement of the great vision that God has given us. So he's a great guy. Uh, it's a privilege to have him here with us all day and with us tonight. He gets on a flight at 1 a.m. tonight to fly out of here. And so it's a real, it's a real treat that he's with us. You're going to love him. Please welcome Kevin.
0: Awesome, awesome. I've been here the whole day, and I really love this community. Um, Caleb, can you just swap for about a year? (laughs) You go to Kenya. I I stay here. I I love the beach. I love the ocean. And I love these people. Uh, It's really great to be here. But one of the things that has happened for me is that uh, uh, through the whole day, you know, throughout the whole day, I really feel like I'm at home because uh, the the campus that I lead in Nairobi, Kenya uh, meets in uh, an auditorium exactly the same as this, you know, you know, so so there are a lot of similarities here, only that there are more white people. Um, so so so, but I feel at home, you know. Uh, and then the other thing is that you know, uh, in the in the in the African uh, uh, culture, whenever you're invited to speak somewhere, and and you go with your family, uh, especially your wife, um, and you're not very sure how she compares with the average beautiful girl in the room. You usually, just say, you know, I've come with my wife, and she's somewhere sitting there at the corner, uh, uh, and, and she's here to accompany me. But because the Lord has blessed me with a wonderful and beautiful woman, hallelujah, I'm going to ask her to stand up. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, and that's, that's, that's Lucy, and, uh, and uh, we've been married for six years, as Caleb has said, and we have two wonderful uh boys and uh, we just love uh, to be here. So thank you for having us. Uh, I'm going to just jump right into it. Um, you know, recently I, I, I decided to go through one of the most popular stories in the Bible. You know, it's very interesting when you, when you read the Bible and I encourage you as much as possible to read the Bible because you'll find very interesting stories in the Bible. You know, many times I've even told my congregation, I think the Old Testament can make an action movie uh, you know they are, you can you can come out with a lot of action movies uh, from the Old Testament but it's very interesting how when you read a story once and then you reread it uh, you find interesting insights from this and this was the same case with this story that I read uh, it's one of the most popular stories in the Bible I think because uh, in, in any Sunday school, uh, it has been talked about, you know, for those of us who grew up going to church, somehow the, the Sunday school teacher taught you about this story, uh, uh, and it's one of those miraculous but also mysterious stories, uh, because I'm talking about the story of the man called Jonah. Are we familiar with that story? How many of us are familiar with that story, the story of Jonah? How many of us believe that Jonah was actually swallowed by a big fish? Okay. A few, a few hands around, around the room. You know, it's very interesting uh, uh, the, the, the different uh, concepts that we have about this story. But, you know, the interesting thing is that, you know, even theologians have gone to the extent to prove, you know, that, yes, you know, that uh, a man can be swallowed by a big fish. But you know what? As I read this story, that's actually not the point uh, the main point of this story. And my hope is that even as I unpack this message today, one is that we'll get to understand the big why, the big why of this story. But also the second thing is that we'll, it will act as a mirror to us uh, uh, so that we can evaluate our lives on the spectrum of how God wants us to live. You know, where, where are you on, 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 on the spectrum of how God wants us to live? So that's my hope today because the story of Jonah uh, is a story that begins with a man who ran away from God. You know, many times, who here has never disobeyed in their lives, in their life? Okay, all of us, good, we're in church, speaking the truth. (laughs) Jonah was a prophet in Israel, you know, and and prophets, of course, their job was to to, um, um, declare the message of God to the people, uh, of God to the people. And, and, and we find this story in the book of Jonah chapter 1. And the interesting thing, let me say this, uh, that even if you don't believe this mystery and this miracle, uh, I just want to encourage you to lean in and, and, and listen to this story because it's very, it's very captivating and action-oriented. Uh, in chapter one, of verse, uh, chapter 1 verse 1, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And now, this, this word of the Lord that came to Jonah was about the impending judgment of the people of Nineveh. Let me give you context. The people of Nineveh were wicked people. They were considered as very wicked people. And God was fed up by their wickedness that he sent Jonah to go and tell them that I'm giving you 40 days and you will be no more. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to kill everyone in the city of Nineveh. Now, let me show you how these people were so wicked. You know, They were so wicked uh, uh, that what they used to do is that they will take pregnant women and rip their bellies. Uh, uh, they they, they will take the leaders of the nation, of their enemy nation, and they will skin them alive. Uh, uh, They will take the warriors, you know, the men who are considered the warriors of the nation, uh, of the enemy cities, and they will cut them into parts, you know, cut their hands, cut their, their heads, cut their legs, and then they will put all this in a huge heap outside the city so that it can act as a warning for their enemies. Just in case you want to attack them, this is what happened to the last guy who did that. So, this is how, this wicked, this, how wicked these guys were. And God was fed up by their wickedness. So, He sent Jonah to go and tell them, Hey, guys, I am about to kill you all. Uh, I'm about to, to destroy everyone. And don't we all just love sometimes, you know, in the story of Jonah, like, don't we all love to get a specific word from God telling you, you know, you're really, God, I really want to know whether this is the guy or not. You know, I really want to know whether this is the lady or not, um, and many other things. So, However, Jonah decided to do the exact opposite. He's been told by God to do one thing, but then he does the exact opposite. And Jonah gets on a boat, buys a one-way ticket to the opposite side. And he heads off to Tashish, which was about 2,500 miles from where God wanted him to be. He was supposed to go to Nineveh, but then the guy gets on a boat and goes on the different direction... To Tashish, is this guy serious? <laughs> you can run from God, but you can't hide. So, God was not done with him yet, you know. And he gets on this boat, and while they're on sea, the 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 of course, there's this storm, uh, uh and, and the boat, you know, it's about to drown. Uh, and 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 the sailors are there, they're having conversation with Jonah, and they discover that Jonah is the reason why there's a storm in the first place. So, what do you do? You get rid of the problem tossed the guy off the boat, you know, and and so they they, they tossed him out of the boat, uh, and and after they tossed him out of the boat, the the sea becomes calm, and while he's drowning, God provides miraculously this big fish to swallow Jonah. Now, let's pause there for a minute, because many of us have probably read this story, you've come across this story, but how many of us have gone through those little story books for children, and, and you have this idea of how the fish was inside? How many of us have imagined how the fish was inside? You know, and, and, and I read, I remember when, when we were growing up and we were going to Sunday school, uh, uh, and there was this picture of Jonah that is still vivid in my mind of how it was this nice, clean vacuum in the, in the fish, you know. Even there was one that had a lamp in the fish. Uh, uh, lamp in the fish, really? Like, and, and, and this is how it was. But how many of us thought that, you know, Jonah was in a five-star fish? But but the interesting thing is that all of us, I I don't know about you, but somehow we always think that this was a nice place for him to be. So imagine with me for a moment what kind of place he was in the fish, how it was for him in the fish. Now, fish smell on the outside. You really don't want to imagine how it smells on the inside. I can imagine, you know, uh, it was slimy, it, it was dark, it was... It was uh, stinking. This guy was having seafood uh, (laughs) inside there. And you can imagine even the fish is trying to even to digest him. Uh, So he must have been nauseated. Uh, It must have been messy in there. And you know what? While he's there, imagine with me what was going through his mind. Maybe what he said is that I'm done. It's over for me. You know, after all, I disobeyed God. I deserve this kind of punishment. I did disobey God. God told me to do one thing. I did the exact opposite. I deserve this kind of punishment. I deserve to be thrown off the boat. I deserve to be swallowed by a fish. I deserve to die like this. But there's an interesting thing that happens in chapter 2 of Jonah. Because Jonah does not give up. And while he's there, in chapter 2, we see the entry of his prayer. And he cries out to God desperately, saying, God... You know, And we see this, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. While he was in the fish, I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. In fact, another, another version says, I cried out to you from hell, because in the fish it was like it was hell. And I pray that this can be an encouragement to someone today, that even when you're in that dark moment, that dark space, that dark season of your life where you can't see where you're going and even where you're coming from, where things just seem to be messy, your life feels like it's just smelly, everything is stinking, nothing is going as you, as you want it to, to, to go, my prayer and my encouragement to you is that you can still cry out to God desperately. That even when you feel that it is your fault, that you are where you are right now, My prayer is that this story will be an encouragement to you, and you will feel that you can go to God and cry out desperately to Him. Because we see that after Jonah cried out desperately to God, what happens at the end of chapter 2 is that God arranges for the fish to go to the shore and spit him out, and God answered the prayer. And may someone be encouraged here today that even as you're feeling that you're in that dark moment, you can still cry desperately uh, to God. We get into chapter 3 of the story of Jonah. And this is where we see the beauty and the goodness of God. Because God gave Jonah a second chance. God gave Jonah a second chance. He not only saved his life, but he reinstated Jonah to a place of purpose, to a place of trust. God reinstated Jonah back to the position of where he wanted him to be, to go and preach the same message to the people of Nineveh. God uh, reinstated Jonah to carry the same message that he had given him at chapter 1. So even when you feel that you have messed up, even when you feel that your life is going on a different tangent, may the story of Jonah be an encouragement to you that God can still reinstate you to a place of purpose and use you for greater things. I got one amen. Amen. But here's the thing that we need to learn from his story. When you get a second chance, your response should be that of quick obedience. Because Jonah did not hesitate. In fact, we are told in chapter 3 that he hurried on to Nineveh to go and declare the message of God. When we get a second chance, our response should be that of quick obedience. And in chapter 3 verse 4, it tells us that on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. 40 days from now, and Nineveh will be destroyed. And as he proclaims the word of the Lord, something unusual happens in the city. You know, all the people in the city, from the king to the last cattle in the city, went down on their knees repented before God. In fact, the king declared a time of fasting and praying. He declared that everyone is to wear sackcloths uh, 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 and, and they are going to go down and repent. Even the cattle, they, they put on sackcloths even for the cattle. How ridiculous is that? Uh, but anyway, the king was at that place where he knew that, you know, this is our last chance. Perhaps as we cry out to God and ask for forgiveness, he might forgive us and have mercy on us. And this is what happens. And the amazing thing is that God changed his mind. God changed his mind as these people went down in repentance. The wicked people of Nineveh, God decided not to destroy that city, a city of 120,000 people, and God decided to change them. Out of one man's obedience, when finally Jonah decided to obey God and do what God was calling him to do, 120,000 people, their destiny was changed for eternity. What an amazing story. What a great ending to that story. I'm sure if I was like a Jonah, I would have been over the moon. I mean, God has used me and 120,000 people. How awesome will it be that at the end of this sermon, all of you stood up in standing ovation, clapping and shouting hallelujah, because Kevin has done a great job. <laughs> I will pat myself on the back. I mean, I will feel good. How many of us feel good when you, when you, when you, you close a business deal, or, or when you do something that you consider significant, and, and, and when you accomplish that thing, you feel good? And I'm sure Jonah must have been over the moon ecstatic. I mean, we're told by teachers that, you know, when, when, when one person gives their lives to Christ, uh, there's a party in heaven, the angels have a party in heaven, 120,000 people, heaven will come to a standstill. I mean, we'll have street bushes in heaven. That would be awesome just to have 120,000 people changed and and now beginning to live for God. But that's not how the story ends because in chapter 4 where now this is where we get to the meat of the story. It begins in verse 1 by saying but Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. What's up with this guy? (laughs) Do you feel like you just want to smack him? Like 120,000 people, God has used you, amazing. Hey, hello. <laughs> now, Jonah wasn't just displeased. He was greatly displeased. Why is Jonah angry, we ask? And I want to suggest to us, it, is, it seems that he felt God was a bit too soft on very bad people. It seems that Jonah felt that, you know, God was going a little bit far how can he forgive these people who are the, the, the murderers, the, the adulterous people of Nineveh? I mean, do you know, have you met the people of Nineveh? These guys are wicked. God, I think you've gone a bit too far on this one. And you need to destroy this. These people are even the enemies of your nation, Israel, of your people, Israel. And this is why I think Jonah felt that God was going a little bit too far. And in some ways, maybe he had a point. In fact, to, to some extent, I agree with him. Maybe the guy was angry because I'm like, God, why would you save uh, such people? The reality is that for almost all of us, there are certain people whom we don't really feel anything for. We are indifferent when it comes to them. My parents divorced when I was about 13 years old. And, and my dad remarried and abandoned us. I have three siblings. And my mom struggled, and it was painful uh, because uh, uh, she didn't have anything, and she had to start from scratch, building from scratch after being married for, for 22 years. Um, it was painful for her, and, and I saw her go through the pain. I saw my brothers go through the pain. My sister was very young at that time, and, and she really didn't understand anything. But we struggled through that, and there was so much bitterness uh, uh, about my father, and, and, and I, God dealt with me well, and, and I thank him for that because he helped me to forgive my father. But I remember many years later, about 10 years later, I met with my dad, and, and looking at him, you know, I tried to have a conversation with him, and I, I couldn't. I couldn't. I, 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 I felt indifferent. I didn't care about him. I was like, yeah, I've forgiven you, but this is, this is where it ends. We, we can't move this conversation further than here because you've not been there for me. You've not, you've not walked... The journey. When I needed you the most, you were not there. What, what business do I have with you? And as a Christian, I can love you with the love of God, but that's it. That's where it ends. And I believe that there are many of us who are here, and there are people like those ones. And you see, you feel the same way that I feel. That maybe for you it's a similar story. Maybe it's your dad or your mom. And there are those people in your life who you feel like you're just indifferent about them. You don't really care what happens to them as long as they keep their distance. Maybe it's your sister. Maybe, maybe it's your, it's your uh, 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 brother. Maybe it's your uncle or auntie. Maybe it's even your spouse who walked out of the door and broke your heart. And it's painful. You've gone through a painful season in your life. And you're at the place where you're feeling like, you know what? I don't really care what happens to them. And it becomes those guys. And now it even becomes the, them, you know, th- those people who, who, who have done these things to us. You know, it's those guys versus us, because we have gone through this painful season. We have gone through these tough things, and then there's those guys, and we feel very indifferent about those guys. Maybe we don't hate them. We don't. Maybe we love them with the love of Christ, but we are so indifferent. I don't even care whether they go to heaven. As long as when we get to heaven, they are not my neighbors, (laughs) because of the pain that they've taken us through. You know, right now in the country of, of Kenya, those guys, them, is a terrorist group called Al-Shabaab. You know, 147 innocent people murdered. University students. Those are the them for us. We have, we have struggled with that. It's painful for us. It's them. And, and Jonah is angry. Why? Because God is showing mercy to his enemies. How can God show mercy to people who've been wicked to our nation? People who've been uh, 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 great enemies to our people. He would rather the Ninevites perish. He would rather those guys perish. He would rather they perish because it will make the world a better place to live in. Because of the pain that they've taken us through. The Ninevites were the strongest enemies of Israel. And so their destruction will have been a great victory to the whole earth. The truth is that many of us are okay with God extending grace. We are okay with God extending blessings to us. But we find it difficult when God extends grace, when God extends mercy, when God extends blessings to those guys. To them. They. That person. So Jonah, in in verse 4 and 5, in fact the Lord begins by replying, is it right For you to be angry? So you can imagine the anger of Jonah. He's at that place where he's feeling like, God, I really don't understand this. And and the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? And of course, Jonah walks out in protest and and went to the east side of the city and made a shelter seat to sit under as he he waited to see what will happen to the city. So, So Jonah waited to see what will happen to the city because he believed that these guys were being insincere. He believed that somehow these guys are not sincere in their repentance. So let me count down. Let me sit back and, and, and watch, you know. Uh, 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 let, me, let me wait so that the minute they turn back, then I can just tell God, you see, I told you these guys. <laughs> and don't we do the same also? You know, we know there, there are those people who, who are in our circle of friends and, 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 and they, are, they are on the highway to hell. They, they are completely lost. And they, when they make that turn around in their lives, we, we start counting down. You're like, just give them six months and they're not going anywhere. Uh, we do that also. In fact, Jonah, uh, uh, like Jonah, we sit and watch, uh, you know, waiting for them to make a mistake. And the story makes an interesting turn in, and we see God arranges for a few things to happen. Now, uh, uh, this word arranged is the same word that was used uh, in chapter one where God arranged for a big fish to swallow Jonah. And, and the Lord arranged for a great fish. This is chapter one, verse 17. The Lord arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. Now, in verse six, Of chapter 4, and the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. So just like the fish, the leafy plant was miraculous. God provided for it overnight. It grew up overnight. Jonah had absolutely nothing to do with it. He just woke up, and there it was. The plant was a welcome relief, greatly easing his discomfort. Jonah was very happy about it. God arranged for two more things. God arranged for two more things. Work with me here. But God also arranged for a worm the next morning at dawn. The worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. Just like the fish and the plant, God also arranged for this worm. So God arranged for a fish, God arranged for a plant, and now he has arranged for a worm to eat the plant. Isn't God hilarious? (laughs) And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow Jonah, to blow on Jonah rather. Again, God arranged so that the sun blazed on Jonah's head, but there was no plan to protect him. Jonah was depressed and physically weak. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. And Jonah says, death is certainly better than living like this. Do you feel like sometimes you just want to tell God, get to the point? (laughs) Like, you don't have to take me through this, just just get me to the point. Interestingly, the first time Jonah wished he was dead, in verse 3, it is where he felt God was treating the Ninevites, them, better than they deserved. That's why Jonah wished that he was dead. And now, the second time, again, he wanted to die because he felt God was treating him only as they deserved. And here we get to the heart of the matter. Because in verse 9, God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? (laughs) Yes! Angry enough to die! Okay. You know, the interesting thing is that what I learned from Jonah's story is that he was very honest with God. That even with his anger, even with the bitterness that he had towards these people, that he still went to God. He directed his anger to the right place. And I want to invite that, you know, even when you're in that space where you feel that you're angry, bitter, you're confused, that you can still be very honest towards God. You can have honest conversations with God. Two things that we learn from the story of Jonah. The first one, Jonah thought that he deserved God's blessings. Jonah thought that he deserved God's blessings. There was an attitude of entitlement in Jonah. Maybe Jonah figured that God had blessed him because he was a prophet. Maybe Jonah figured because, you know, he had served in the temple, he had gone to the temple many times, uh, then God, God really needs to bless me. Maybe Jonah figured that because I'm an Israelite, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the people uh, from the nation of God, then, then God really surely should bless me. Maybe Jonah figured that because finally I've decided to obey you and do what you've asked me to do, then, then, then you should bless me. The least that you should do is bless me. Whatever the reason, Jonah did not question why this miraculous plant had come, but he, 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 took, he took it as an acknowledgement of his worth before God. Things were merely going as they should. That's what Jonah felt. You know, I mean, God should just bless me because of who I am and what I do. And that's a lesson from Jonah's story that we so often miss. Some, sometimes we feel we have a right to receive blessings from God. Sometimes we feel that after all I have done for you, Lord, surely, surely I deserve no less from you. And and so we find ourselves expecting that God owes us. God owes us health. God owes us provision. We find ourselves in that place where we feel that God owes me. You know, God, I've been serving you. I've committed to serve your people. I've committed in this community. And Lord, you owe me the health of my parents. And we feel that, God, because I have served you for a very, many, for, for a very long time, I, I have given to this church. I have come here every Sunday and been a part of this church. God, why am I still single? You know, we get to the place where we feel like, oh, because I, I have I've been praying fervently. God, I've even done the things that I'm supposed to be doing, the spiritual disciplines. I have fasted. I have prayed. I've been a part of this great community. And we feel that, God, why am I, why am I still praying for a job? Why am I still praying for financial breakthrough in my life? God, the least that you can do is bless me and answer my prayer. We feel that God owes us. I've been so faithful, God. You owe me my blessings. We begin to think that our blessings are a compensation of serving God or of being faithful to God. Doing what God has called us to do. We feel that we deserve to receive his blessings. We see this from the story of Jonah. The second thing that we see, is that Jonah was more concerned about his comfort. You know, and this is the attitude of apathy. And in and, and verse 10, we are told, and the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you, 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 you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I, God, feel sorry about such a great city. And I love how gently God deals with Jonah even as he rebukes him. You know, you know it's it's as if he's telling Jonah, you know, come, come, come. Let's let's discuss this plant for a minute. It's like your boss calling you to his office and, and he lowers his glasses and he's like, "Jonah, come, come. Let let's have this discussion. <laughs> you seem very concerned about this plant, so so let me let me let me let me have this discussion with you." Jonah, you didn't you didn't put a seed in the ground for this plant to come out. You, 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 you didn't water it for it to grow and become big as it did. Jonah, you had absolutely nothing to do with this plant. I provided the plant. Okay, as you're thinking about that, let's, let's think about me for a minute. Let's, let's think about me, God, for a minute. The, the city of Nineveh, I created them, all those people there, 120,000 people. You know, the, 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 the earth that provides food and water for them, I created that. Should I be concerned about the cattle in the city? And if I can be concerned about the cattle in the city, should not I be concerned about the 120,000 people in that city? So, John, I hear that you're angry about this, But think about me. I created these people. Shouldn't I be concerned about them? You see, those things that you're concerned about, you know, those things that we spend so much time praying for, you know, that job, that house, that spouse, that marriage, those things that we are praying for, the health, the provision, all these things are good. And God is glad that you're concerned about them. But we need to realize, and my prayer is that we shall realize this today, is that all these things are just but mere tools that God is giving us to extend His influence in this earth. The blessing of health, the blessing of of provision, God is giving us those things so that we can be able to extend the influence, the godly influence in this uh, earth. Recognize this one thing. When our comfort, convenience, or safety begins to determine for us where, when, how, what, where, uh, why we are going to serve God, then I suggest to us that our focus has shifted from the giver to the gift. When we become more concerned about our safety, our convenience, our comfort, then our focus has shifted from God to our gift. All these gifts are simply tools to help you achieve God's purpose. All these gifts are simply tools to help us spread his influence on earth and to bring people back to him. While I like those blessings, our prayer, my prayer, must always be, Lord, make me passionate about the things that you are passionate about. Our prayer as Marina's Church should be, God, make me passionate about the things that you are passionate about. You know, it is easy as Christians to do the Jonah thing. It is easy for us to sit comfortably in church. It is easy for us to come here every week and enjoy this community. These are very nice and cozy seats for us. It is easy for us to come here every week and enjoy our rooted groups. It is easy for us to enjoy relationships in our life groups and lose focus on the fact that there's a reason why God has placed us where we are. There's a reason why God has given you the privilege to listen to a message like this one. There's a reason why God has given you the privilege and opportunity to join in a community like this one that is changing this nation. There's a reason why God has blessed you because you need to be a blessing to others. We are not here to acquire wealth, Mariners Church. We are not here to acquire education. We are not here to get married because after all, when we get to heaven, those things are not going to be there. All these things that God has given you, they are good. They are very good. And God is glad that you're praying for them and God is glad that you're concerned about them. But we need to realize that our focus should not be these things, but on the things that God is passionate about. And God is saying, if I created these people, if I'm passionate about the 120,000 people, if I'm passionate about you or them, If I'm passionate about those people that you feel indifferent about, shouldn't you be at least passionate about them? Lord, make us passionate about the things that you're passionate about. You know, unfortunately, our prayers are often God give me money for this. In fact, my prayers have often been that God give me money for this. God make me comfortable. You know, being a pastor, it's, it's, it's difficult because sometimes you come to God and you're like, God, I've served your people. I serve your people week in, week out. Surely you can bless me with a better car. Surely, God, I've been praying for a house to own a home for my family. Surely, God, you can bless me with this. You can give me more money such that I can be able to provide a comfortable life for my kids and my wife. And I find myself praying these things. I find myself creeping back into comfort and desiring these comfortable things. But our focus, my focus, should be that the Lord should make me passionate about the things that He is passionate about. The book of Jonah ends abruptly. You know, we are used to stories ending and, 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 and you know there's a final uh, thing to it, whether it's a fairy tale ending of, oh, and Jonah asked for forgiveness, and, and and the people of Nineveh and Jonah lived happily ever after. But that's not how this story ends. In fact, verse 10. And 11. In fact, it ends in verse 11. Then the Lord said, You feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. Speaking to Jonah. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. Not to mention all the animals. So then I feel sorry about them. And that's how the story ends. we need to ask the question, you know, why does it end that way? It ends abruptly. And I have a few opinions. One is probably the writer just got tired. Maybe the manuscripts got lost. Some of the manuscripts. Maybe God's point was already made that we didn't even have to continue into chapter 5 or into verse 12. But I have a suggestion to ask today. What if God is telling us, you end this story? You end that story. What if God is telling us, remove Jonah's name and insert your name there? Could it be that God wants you to end that story? How will that story end? Thousands of people living in spiritual darkness not to mention (laughs) all the cars, all the homes. (laughs) And God is asking, should I feel sorry about such a great city? invite you into a place of reflection. How does this story end for you? Will it be one where we creep back into our comfort zone, into our convenience? Or will we choose to stand today and say, Lord, make me passionate about the things that you're passionate about?